0: Welcome to Antimatterpod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext, and subspace, hosted by Annika and Liz. This week we're discussing Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 8, The Sanctuary.
1: And your note here is the most Star Wars Star Trek
0: episode ep- yet. I'm just saying. You, when you reblogged our post on tumblr our, our podcast post on tumblr you said you know that someday we'll stop being a star wars <laughs> podcast no i said we'll stop pretending we're not a star
1: wars podcast <laughs>
0: right so i'm just saying that you know maybe it's my chaos powers kicking into gear because that's what they do mm-hmm. this episode was so star wars And in a season that has already been pretty Star Wars, it was impressive.
1: I think what's impressive is that aside from the battle at the end and and Kayla going full Luke Skywalker without the Force, it didn't feel derivative.
0: Oh, no, I'm not saying that as, like, a a negative. (laughs) I'm not saying that we – I'm saying it's so nice to me as a person (laughs) who loves both Star Trek and Star Wars that I am capable now of – comparing the two in like this synergistic way instead of an antagonistic way yes the whole are you a star wars
1: fan or a star trek fan feels very old-fashioned
0: part of it is just the production values you know like Mm. maybe star trek wanted to be star warsy all along but they shockingly were not you know millions of dollars of Effects weren't given to them. So that's part of it. But I just, I mean, there were literally star destroyers in, in this episode <laughs> and a, a literal trench run. <laughs> and it's like, there is, you know, the giant star destroyer and the scrappy little ship that was going in mm. and, and like taking him out and it was like, uh-huh. okay, guys. And meanwhile, at the same time, there are Jedi communing with nature on the planet be their their thoughts so,
1: yeah I'm yeah Just saying, it felt very star warsy but in a star trek way and i was i was sort of into that uh you also have a note here that it also has some game of thrones <laughs> is this in relation to the sad end
0: of osiris nephew or other so everything osiris was game of thrones like everything all of yeah. osiris was game of thrones and most of Kayim was Game of Thrones. In yeah. that, so he reminds me of sort of a Lando figure where he like sold out his, his bestie because he has an entire planet of people who are depending on him, but that's mm. also a thing in Game of Thrones. And the thing is that it's seen as a negative in both Star Wars and Game of Thrones that the person chooses the society over their their one close friend. Yes. So I'm I'm talking about Lando and I'm also talking about Ed Muir Tully. Yes. And the thing is that like that's a very Star Trekky principle to choose like the many <laughs> over this one person I care about. Like that's something that at least they give a lot of lip service to even though they they have gone out of their way to show that that choice is bad in Star Trek as well, but at least they sort of say that it's the way that the world works or the way that like the perfect society would work. Whereas Mm. in Star Wars and in Game of Thrones, it's sort of like, no, Lando is automatically a bad guy because he sold out his friend. And it's like, and like sold out his friend by making a deal with the Empire. And it's like, yes, the Empire are the main bad guys, but Lando's just trying to survive. Like he's just trying to live and make a better place for the people that are literally under, like he has people on that planet there are that he's in charge of and he takes care of like those those people count too they count just as much as luke and han and leia
1: do right and i think the weakness of this this storyline for me on on discovery was that we didn't see the other people of the planet Mm -hmm. and we didn't have a sense of how they were living under osiris rule so we only see kahim and his relative luxury and, and there's no I, we, we have no idea if everyone else is in poverty or if they're just sort of getting by but precarious. And I think I would have enjoyed that plotline more if we had had a bigger picture. Mm, I don't think
0: they could fit it into this episode though
1: like, this No, was it was a very full already. episode.
0: <laughs> so I don't I don't think we could get more. Like I agree that that's something that we want. And that's mm. probably why. The people who make a deal with the empire are seen as the bad guys. Is we never get to we never get to have a connection with those people, the people mm. on the planet who like depend on them. Even in Game of Thrones, they we we were introduced to Edmure, who I love. I'm just going to put this out there. <laughs> I know it's ridiculous, but I love him. I think that he is actually a like a good guy, go- a good person in Game of Thrones, which is like no good people exist in game of thrones
1: right he's flawed but he's doing his best and unlike most people
0: he's trying to do the best he can for the most people at the moment in time that he is currently existing in and i really love those characters the characters who do their best with what they have Mm. Um, and so like i was really sympathetic to kaim because it, like even before he had a kid and like a family and like a personal stake he was he was trying to like he was dealing with this locust I guess issue that has been going on for 100 years and he was dealing with these overlords issue that has been going on for at least 15 20 years yeah and those are both big giant horrible things that are really hard to deal with and like look give him some slack that he's kept the the whole planet alive to this point like and he does event like in he gets to stand up to her in the end and i'm terrified of what the consequences are going to be yeah he
1: actually back to my monomania, he reminded me a little of Cat in terms of a person who is making a terror who has made a terrible decision under extremely fraught circumstances. Mm. And, like, we don't really see that they had the technology or power to do- to, to fight Asyra off and deal with their pretty locusts. Like, they were apparently a
0: pre-warp <laughs> civilization until relatively recently it's very uh, yeah i want to this is much like with when we went to visit saru's home planet i'm like can Mm. we just spend some time here and get to know this because this is really interesting and yet we're never like that's never what we're gonna do because we're always trekking away Uh, (laughs) i'm always like can we go back and spend some time over there because i want to know more about that but
1: i agree but i also think that the federation coming in and fixing the acute problem and leaving a society to then to look after itself I think that is a very respectful form of the federation it's less patronizing than mm. coming in and okay so you want to join the federation okay cool well welcome to our family it, it's maybe less colonial colonialist in yes
0: we, I was uh, I was listening to the podcast worst year ever Mm. which I recommend to anybody who is like a, <laughs> a very, like, it's very far left-leaning. <laughs> and they were talking about the foreign policy of Clinton, W. Bush, and Obama, and mm. how, yes, it is very good that Biden, we're getting Biden instead of Trump, but that's still not good it's just yeah. better <laughs> it's it's a it's a better option but that doesn't mean that we're doing things the right way and i spent the entire time i was listening to this episode <laughs> screaming at the speaker <laughs> that this is why the prime directive is wrong and <laughs> just like i was like yes exactly <laughs> because as you say giving aid to this is a problem this is a problem that this society is having giving them mm. Aid, helping them fix that one problem and then letting that and then stepping back and, and saying okay now you have autonomy that like that's what we want we want people yeah to interfere when there is someone who is literally killing millions of people yeah like, that's a bad thing let's fix that but not take over that society and tell them exactly what they have to do and basically turn them into terrorists because that's what we do so, Gosh. like, there's a balance in here. And, and the thing is that none of those options are good. Like, going to war to stop a tyrant is not a good option. But if the tyrant is going to ruin more things, then, like, then at a certain point, you have to. You have to say, okay, having a big battle and, and making a stand and killing people is necessary In this instance, and like it's, it's what they call a necessary evil, right? Like, it's not good, but letting it happen is also not good because then all those people still die. So, do you
1: think Saru is justified in in defying orders and starting a war between the
0: Federation and? Yes, because interesting, what what it ended up being is that now those people are like on our side and they think that the, like it changed kaim's and rin's idea of and what the books. Federation is you know so yes so it's it's like accepting that you can't have a utopia is the first step to create a utopia
1: oh that puts it very nicely do you also think admiral vance will see it this way
0: I hope so, because I really like Vance and I like want him to be enlightened.
1: Same. <laughs> like, uh, but I also feel like if he didn't have a drinking problem before Discovery <laughs> turned up, he has one now.
0: That's what like, happens. Discovery is just really good at giving people drinking problems.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is the real reason Kat decided to, to let herself blow up. She was just like... At least in the afterlife, there's no discovery, and I can get some rest. <laughs> Don't laugh, but my throat just got really tight.
0: If you look at the Star Trek playbook, which mm. we will talk about, but if you look at the Star Trek playbook, defying orders for the greater good is is the right answer in yes. in this universe. And so... I think that they are on track for being Star Trek, but I also think that they're right because you can't let the. Like, you know, I was saying that that we have to forgive Lando and Kaim for making a deal with the Empire, and I, I stand by that. But that doesn't but mean don't that we have they're to forgive right the Empire. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, doesn't, that doesn't mean that that's the only choice. It means that you have to do something and also not, like, hold them responsible for the evils of the Empire. You can hold them accountable for their own decisions, but you can't hold them responsible for everything bad that ever happened That the Empire. Right.
1: Had. I feel like, setting aside the space politics and all of that, I feel like Book really leveled up as a Disney prince this episode. Oh,
0: for sure.
1: Those locusts were very, very pretty.
0: Right? I ha- I ha- like I Like was like, I, I wrote out that they were the most plot convenience plot convenience I've ever seen but they were so pretty and the resolution was so lovely it was they had this sort of like balletic quality to it I was like I don't care how how obvious this plot convenience is it's beautiful and I love it (laughs) so that's where I'm at It also worked
1: for me because it's sort of, as Michael says, they're repeating what they did on Kamina, but this time they're not forcibly evolving a whole lot of people. And I feel like a lot of stuff this season is about choice and also about confronting Mm -hmm. difficult truths. And maybe they should confront the difficult truth that what they did on Kamina was for the greater good, but was also kind of
0: high-handed and not ethical. Because they didn't give them a choice. And what was great was that Book, at least twice, said, you know, I I can suggest that they go, but I can't make them go. It's their choice. These locusts have to go on their own. And I think that the fact that he recognized that even this, like, whatever weird life form Mm. He couldn't. He couldn't just tell them. He couldn't use his Jedi mind tricks to, on their weaker minds, to force them to do something because it's what he thinks is the right choice. Mm. And it seems to be a lesson that Michael is still
1: not right. That that hasn't she's, learned. She's and struggling with. Yeah, yeah, and, and that makes me feel like, Jojo. Uh, they seem to be setting up for Jojo to depart for her own series, and Michael has to be able to let
0: her make that choice because michael didn't let her make the choice to come here in the first place
1: right right and it sort of comes back to what we were saying a few weeks ago about how michael never made the choice to join starfleet basically until last week really and so therefore i blame Sarek for michael's (laughs) not really getting this concept (laughs) And I think it's a really interesting flaw in her character because it's so subtle and she does so much good, but this flaw sits behind it. And it really is, it's embedded in the Federation, it's mm-hmm. embedded in Sarek, it's Star Trek's original sin. Yes. They don't let
0: people choose. Right. I don't remember which episode it was, but I think it was probably the first or second where I said that I realized that Discovery is 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 addressing what mm. i'm always complaining about discoveries not addressing <laughs> like i spent the first two seasons whining that they were using starfleet as an adjective <laughs> instead of and without any definition
1: right and now they're defining it and they're defining the federation and i do think that you know, we keep hearing from so many sources, reliable and otherwise, that the Federation is dangerous and not to be trusted. Mm-hmm. And they are going to learn that the Federation has done something terrible in the last couple of hundred years. That's going to make everyone on Discovery reassess their commitment. And I'm into that. I, you mm-hmm. know, I've
0: always been a Federation skeptic. <laughs> and... no, I. I, um, one of my my second note in in my notes for this episode is this season is such wish fulfillment for our podcast specifically.
1: I know all <laughs> we need now is Cat Cornwell and a whole episode dedicated to costume design and
0: you know <laughs> and we're good. It's it's yeah. really amazing when Osira, who is awful, <laughs> you know, showed up and and it was like. I'm going to discuss the Orions, like past Orions, present Orions, and and my ideas for future Orions all at once. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> like, Cyra uh, no. is giving the Orion culture like an entire book, an entire encyclopedia of Orion culture in like three sentences because she's she's a real person. Like, I don't like her. Oh but no, she's a real person with with ideas and and a sense of
1: history and a sense of her place in history and her place in her culture
0: and she was like don't tell me what my culture is and I was like yes oh my gosh
1: yeah and it reminded me of the bit in the that episode of Lower Decks that we didn't much care for with Mariner's holodeck program and that episode I think I laughed harder at At that episode than any other in Lower Decks but I was also really annoyed by a lot of things about it Mm -hmm. and one of the things that annoyed me was that it sort of starts edging towards building up Orion Orion culture as something other than slavery and thieves and pirates and then Tendi is like oh no we haven't been pirates for like five years Mm -hmm. and funny joke undermining your whole point.
0: Right, right. Whereas Osiris was like Look, yeah, I know exactly who I am, and I'm proud of it. So you can't you can't shame me into <laughs> being upset about all all of what Orion has, have done in the past or what I'm doing right now. <laughs> so you step back. And I was just like, Rash. I mean, it was a Seska moment. You know, it was it was so good. I just loved it.
1: I also had strong Seska vibes, and I also appreciate that from a character design way, they found the only way to create a female villain that I don't instantly wholeheartedly love, and that was by giving her turf bangs. So
0: her her design was very interesting. It's true. I, this is sort of skipping all around, but I hmm. do think it's because it's related to Osira, and because it's also related to Game of Thrones. Osira killed off her nephew, in like yes. the. You know pre-credit sequence which i mean anyone who was paying attention saw from last yes so that was that was obviously going to happen however then you know then she like her whole thing was i'm going to convince kaim to hand over his brother right yeah which failed because of you know familial love and michael and book and all of this stuff right and yeah yeah but so then it ends the episode ends with kaim's son and who is book's nephew and so i was like there's this like really interesting book ends of Osira and how she treats her nephew Mm. and and like and she killed like it was implied that she killed his father or mother, whoever she's related her to. Her brother. Whoever she yeah. She killed her she killed her brother, who is his father, right? Like that yeah. that happened. That's how the episode starts. And the episode ends with Book and Kaim in this really great, you know, we've come to a a plateau of our relationship where we now understand each other and, and this like fifteen years of angst is Hit is we can put it aside and we can now like relearn who we are and and move forward together and it's related to his his little son Lito who is books nephew and I was just like this is so good Hello. this is such good storytelling who wrote this I was just like I was very happy <laughs> with how well that worked out
1: it also made me think of Jojo, who is obviously more than Osiris match in terms of mm-hmm. female villainy. But in the comics and novels, her heir after Michael is her own nephew, who is sort of a weak willed, decadent, not quite Caligula type, but not someone you would actually want running an empire. And mm-hmm. h- hence, I think, her line to uh, the nephew a couple of episodes ago you know, whatever nephews do. She has a nephew. He sucks. <laughs> And so I, I I'm genuinely surprised that we didn't get any kind of JoJo Osaira showdown this yeah. week. But I hope I hope it's coming because that seems like a logical well, step.
0: Obviously, Osira like she left. She didn't. Yeah. She wasn't destroyed. She she yeah. wasn't even like it was like a you know a, oops i I'm, I'm gonna you know you defeated me this time but I have way more Star Destroyers <laughs> so yeah. we're gonna be fine and I'm coming back. So I feel like there's going to be more. And I don't know if is going to be a part of it, because as you said, they seem to be setting up something separate for Jojo. Um,
1: yeah, I would not be surprised if at the end of the episode 910 two-parter, she departs for the season, and that's mm-hmm. the end of her presence on Discovery. Uh, but who knows? I have made many predictions about s- Discovery
0: and been <laughs> wrong many, many times. Many, many times. <laughs> And I'm not to like, I'm not, I'm not saying that this is Game of Thrones, because it's not. Mm -hmm. But I kind of like that in this far future, Michael is sort of wandering around collecting misfits the way that Daenerys does. (laughs) I hope this ends better for everyone. I hope it ends better for everyone, obviously. Um, But it's just like, it's fun to see how even, you know, far in the future, like, it was Discovery was already a crew of misfits, right? Mm. Like that was their thing. That that half the crew was just scientists who had such completely out there ideas that, that like they weren't they weren't a part of you know main Starfleet science. Mm. Right? They were like doing this their own thing with on their experimental ship, and a bunch of and the, and the other half of the crew was like refugees from crews that got blown up by Klingons like yeah yeah that was their crew so they were already misfits and now they're in the future and they're just like collecting more misfits like like here's a you know here's a a guy who's disavowed his his culture and is trying to save worms and like that that's not normal nothing (laughs) normal there's nothing normal about that guy and here's Adira who is the first human to have a trill symbiont, and they have all of this like they have backstory for all of the trill, but also they have their own backstory. Mm. That's not none of that is is, is like standard. <laughs> They're not, and they have a you know uh, a, a ghost boyfriend, and yeah, mm. and then they have Jojo, who is like a whole other like. You know, David Cronenberg had a whole speech about how completely out there she is. So there's, they're all sort of broken. And then there's Rin, my, my beloved Rin, who I just, <laughs> I cannot get over how much I like him. Who is literally broken, right? He's like visually broken. Yeah. And so it's all of these like broken pieces. And, and that's always been what Discovery was. But they were sort of hidden and stuck in the Starfleet like you know molds that they were being forced to fit into and and now they're just sort of embracing their not fitting into ness
1: and building a coalition of people who don't fit into the 32nd mm-hmm. century and whose relationship with the federation is complicated mm-hmm
0: like that even includes Tarina from from last year, you know, who's like Saru's friend. So it's like all of these the the a coalition is exactly
1: mm. right, and it's
0: like that's what the federation should be.
1: Yes, it shouldn't be an empire; it should be a coalition. It should be a coalition. Yeah, more like the European U- Union than the British I just, Empire. I, I have, I have hope, and it scares me. It scares me how hopeful I am. I know, because at this point in season two we were still really into everything that was happening. <laughs> I'm so, so, do you want to talk about the amazing Rin heroism and also how Mary Wiseman and her husband are equally incapable of playing people who don't love cats? <laughs>
0: which is cute. I know. They were also super I was like, "Oh, they have chemistry." Like sometimes when you are your acting with your significant other, it's actually super awkward. Yeah, yeah. But it but was no. sort of like they're awkward, like their characters are awkward already. So, it's all sort of baked in. It it works for me
1: yeah yeah and i didn't really want tilly to have a boyfriend i strongly believe that she's bi but bi women can have boyfriends and why not a damaged cranky wary andorian
0: he's just so he's he's so broken and i just love him i love broken people (laughs) yeah you know who try he's he's spent his first you know his introductory episode was all about how he was in this horrible situation and he was doing the best like he he was making every choice every choice was like a horrible equation they had to decide what was the best option and and so i like seeing him succeed i loved the the debt mirror was like you were the first one to stand up to, to yes. her and and he was he didn't even realize that like he didn't understand what that meant like he he was just sort of like yeah I stood up to her and I was punished for it and and my life became hell but from Detmer's perspective it was even if you failed you did it and that is worth something and that is that means that you have that within you
1: And I think it means a lot coming from someone, not that he knows this, but someone who has struggled with her own self-confidence this this, this season, and her own depression and rage and trauma, that she can reach past herself and see that in him. I I
0: have to give them props for this Detmer storyline being exactly what I've been saying I need Mm. from the side character storylines in that you can't have all of their character development happen in one episode she has had a arc over the course of the season and you can say it's over the course of the series but it was i was making it happen in the first two seasons and in this season they were like no we're actually going to like pull on those threads and we're going to give you a little bit in each one and it's going to have a a, you know a big a big ending it's gonna have like a payoff and this was the payoff and I really appreciate that bit be- because it's like that's how that's how you do side characters <laughs> you don't you don't create someone and like you know create them and give them their their arc and give them their ending all in the same episode. That doesn't work. Right. Cuz then you don't care. And like still, even even here, I still care more about Rin than Kayla, which is like <laughs> I don't know why. I don't I don't know what's wrong with me. But he has a more compelling story whereas her story was p- sort of put on the the like she was always sort of there in the periphery, but they never did anything with her. And so it was sort of mm. more I don't know. It's just hard. But that's, you know, ig- ignoring my own hang-ups. I really appreciate her storyline and I even really liked how she was like the cocky, you know, in the in the final scene. I loved that she was being like a cocky pilot Tom Paris Han solo. Like that was great. It was so good to see that and
1: can I just say, though, that you can be cocky without being macho, and I think it's really sexist to mm. say that the cocky pilot type is macho, because it's not. It's just, you know, cockiness and flying are uh, gender-neutral qualities.
0: Amelia Earhart was super cocky. Right. So, and, like, like people, call, people say that she's masculine, but it's not, like... It was only because she was doing a man's job. It's not because she's like personally masculine. <laughs> like you no, know I mean? no. It's like she, she flew and... planes and
1: wore pants and had short hair. A lot of that was the practicality of being a pilot in the 1930s. But by the standards of the 21st century, she's barely even a tomboy.
0: Yeah, it's just it's we put a lot. We put so much. Like this is going to be a great segue into Adira, but we put, we put <laughs> so much onto gender norms that and they're mm. just not there. And it is just the same argument I have with the Starfleet norms. They're just not there. We created those rules and like they're fake. So <laughs> so, so stop trying to force someone to be feminine or masculine or whatever. Like that they, <laughs> they can just be who they are. Right.
1: And yes, that does bring us nicely to Adira. And I feel like I got everything I wanted out of their their storyline in terms of their
0: gender. It you know? was really well done. They were non binary before they were joined. That's, that's all I wanted. Right, that's what we wanted, and it was it was so affirming mm. because they they were like, "This isn't this isn't who I am now. This is who I've always been." And yes. And Stamets was so accepting, but and but then in the scene with with Culmer, Pulver, he was like he just, he kept saying it over and over again, and that was mm. so that was so good. That was like that's because it's hard. I know. I have I have people who have come who I met, you know, with certain pronouns and decided that they wanted they them pronouns. And it's hard to remind yourself. Like, you have to say it over and over again. You have to, like, yeah, yeah. be very deliberate. And I, that effort, like, making that, putting that effort in is how you show that you care about this person. Yes. <laughs> and so Stamets was doing that, and he was, like, bringing the audience along with him.
1: Yeah, and I do remember that a lot of people in this audience probably haven't met a non-binary person, or certainly not one who is out and using Mm. they, them pronouns. And without being preachy, like the music was just barely on the side of subtle, uh, without being preachy, it demonstrated and modelled how to do
0: that properly. And I think that's great. Yeah, exactly. It it was a good... It's almost like I will forgive them any clunkiness, because they are putting in the effort mm. to to show that like, this is what, it's more important to put in the effort than it is to get it right.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think certainly at this early stage anyway.
0: me something I'm a little concerned about with
1: regard to Adira being unofficially adopted by Hugh and Paul. Uh, I'm not worried about this in terms of the writing on the show, but I think fandom is going to really infantilize
0: Adira. I can see that. They sort of did, okay, like, not to be ridiculous, but they sort of did that with Peter Parker in the MCU. Everyone decided that because, like, Tony took an interest in him, like, all of a sudden he was Tony's child, and mm, it's like... Look, Peter Parker is a teenager, but he's a teenager. He's not like a four-year-old, okay? Right, right. And I think
1: people are going to conveniently overlook that Adira is almost an adult. They're 16, so they're almost old enough to legally drink in Australia. And they have their own quarters. They have their boyfriend living in their head. And yeah, it's going to really irritate me. I'm just putting that out there that people should remember that Adira
0: is closer to adulthood than infancy Mm. i'm gonna say that as many things as harry potter gets wrong the fact that they allow 17 year olds to be adults Mm. is not one of them (laughs) and and again like at the same time neuroscience says that a 27 year old has a teenage brain has an adolescent brain like they're still they're at the very end of adolescence in terms of the neuroscience Right. And so that's why, like, we just have to admit that all of these categories that we force on people are things we force on people. They're all social constructs. Yes, it's it's good for kids who are still growing to not have substances that can change the way that they grow. Like, it's a good thing to have a drinking age. But it's also completely arbitrary one of the
1: things that i wonder about sometimes is what is the legal drinking age in the federation
0: <laughs> exactly and what is and like if if it's all mostly a synthanol, does it matter like it's just right it's weird it's like what is what what are these things what are these children doing like you know wesley was on the bridge before he went like he was like 14 or something right he was on the bridge yeah and it was a big deal, but it also wasn't, and so it's just there's all again. It's an arbitrary rule. Picard doesn't like kids, but he does like Wesley, so it's an arbitrary rule that he can enforce when he wants to and ignore when he you know when he wants to, and we put up with that. So why do we not put up with the idea that Adira can be like I'm not she, I'm they,
1: right? Well, I think, you know, rank is a Mm -hmm. social construct, but lots of people are very annoyed that Tilly is doing the job of first officer. But she's doing so well. I was not surprised. I'm just putting that out there. Uh, For our listeners, we discussed doing like a short midweek episode where we just ranted about (laughs) the Tilly first officer discourse because we hated so much of it. It's so bad. And we decided, well, to be honest, my job was really busy, so we decided
0: not to, but... And also I'm learning how to give medication, (laughs) which I feel like is an important thing that it should be focused on. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a, it's so weird that I can take this 21 hour course and then be allowed, like, as long as I pass my exams or whatever, Mm. that allowed to give, you know, substances to people. And with with only twenty one hours of training, that doesn't seem like enough. It's crazy to me, but it's there. Not that I not that I doubt your skill. I it just doesn't seem like a lot. But you don't even need a college degree to take this course. It's just another thing. This is like it's so arbitrary. Like that they decide. I don't know. I have a lot of problems with education right now. Which is bad because I work in education. <laughs> but it's like, we need to reform. And, and then, you know, again, to bring it back to Star Trek because I'm so wildly off topic. But Star Trek, like, Star Trek needs to reform. Starfleet needs to reform. The Federation needs to reform. Discovery needs to reform. Like, we all need to be willing to accept that if, if the externals change we also have to change like I think
1: fandom also needs to reform oh my
0: gosh yes fandom definitely needs to change
1: I was frustrated that people expect all these artificial barriers to be put in front of Tilly like oh she can't be first officer she isn't a commander right and it's like yeah you know who else was first officer with a low rank Spock he was a
0: lieutenant (laughs) yeah and number one was a lieutenant commander so, Riker was a commander, and and first officer was his only job. He is yeah. the outlier. <laughs> like yeah. not, Tilly is not the outlier. Riker is the outlier. The, like, okay, you can look at the others. Like, Kira and Chakotay weren't even in Starfleet. And T'Pol. Kira, Chakotay, and T'Pol were all not in Starfleet, did not have a rank in Starfleet, and yet... We're first officers. Right. So, what are you complaining about? And yes,
1: Tilly is young and lacks experience. This is how she gets
0: experience. Yeah. Well, like, again, Kirk yeah. in AOS is literally a cadet and is made the first officer. Right. Tilly has
1: more experience and qualifications than he does. Than <laughs> James Kirk. Yeah. But the other thing is, <laughs> like... In Australia, in the public service generally, and in some other industries, if you want a promotion, then you have to demonstrate, you have to get experience and demonstrate that you can do the job by taking a maternity leave contract. So for a year or two years, you do that job and it's temporary and Mm -hmm. maybe you won't like it and maybe you won't go for a mat leave contract in that field again. Maybe you'll be really good at it and take that sort of role permanently, but that's sort of how I see it with Tilly. This was offered as a temporary role right. and she's good at yeah, it.
0: That's she's the thing. Is that better this is than the, Michael. Tilly isn't even like accepting a promotion. Tilly is accepting like an internship that she can put on her resume. Like it's not even her job. She's she's acting. She's right. in place to do this 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 job that needs to get done. And she's actually good at it. She's better at it than Saru. So, frankly, Tilly should be captain. That's that's where I'm at right now.
1: (laughs) I think at some point we're just going to accept that Aristophanes is like the source of all of our ideas because (laughs) she was saying on Twitter the other day that it's interesting how Michael and Tilly are expected to prove themselves, but no one is demanding that of Saru and he's kind of bad at his job. I'm so angry about
0: it. I, I can't even... So, like, and the fact that Saru, like, trying to find his catchphrase was a joke, right? Like, that was obviously a running joke. And it's a repeat of a joke that Lower Decks did. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, it upsets me on a level that I cannot describe. But Saru, and it was it was clear in that first episode where he asked Siri to tell him what a captain does. It was mm-hmm. very clear that Saru needs to appear to be a captain. Like, he needs to appear to be a captain, who Mm. knows what he's doing, who has all all of his, you know, that has a catchphrase. Like, he's, he's obsessed with the trappings of captainhood, but he is not trying to be a captain. Like, he's not actually doing his job. It's just so upsetting to me that, That no one's calling this out, and they're calling out Tilly, who is, Mm. like, doing so well at a job that isn't even hers. (laughs) Like, I'm just, I I get, and and Michael, too, honestly. Yeah. Like, Michael does the captain's job. If Michael was captain and did everything that she did in that episode where people were mad at her... She would just be Kirk or Picard or, like, any other Star Trek captain. That's what they do. Yeah, but, but they'd still
1: be mad because she's a black not, woman.
0: Yeah, but because she was not captain and because she was a black woman and because she was Michael Burnham, who they just hate for no reason, that's, like, they they put her down. And it, it is so wrong. It's really... I am mm. really upset about it. Like, I I want to... This show has fans that are bad and i yeah. i need them to become better
1: <laughs> there was a thing about this on twitter this week and i didn't really see it go down i have sort of pieced it together from the subtweets basically but a blogger said that he was done with new trek because there weren't enough white cis straight men yes and i'm like feature not a bug and <laughs> Look, you've but, got Saru literally failing upwards. What more do you need? It's like, so, it's so... You it's don't so... know that he's straight, I guess. <sighs>
0: okay. I mean, so also someone, when when I said that I shipped to Prita and Saru, someone jumped in and was like, Saru is asexual. And I was like, okay, that's like a nice read that you decided, but that's not mm-hmm. like reality that <laughs> saru hasn't told me that he's asexual i would respect it if saru said i've i'm asexual and i'm not interested in this i would respect that but since it hasn't happened like you can't just make things up and no. people make things up all the time oh oh i'm probably gonna cut
1: this out but it really annoyed me on the wikipedia page for Bei fong who was my character pre-cat it gives Kaya as one of her love interests, Kaya being another character in Legend of Korra, mm-hmm. and that is not canon, that is head canon <laughs> and, and like, I don't even ship Kaya Lin purely because I find the fans irritating and oh this gosh. is why they irritate me yeah, anyway
0: now, no, so okay Saru, like I like. I actually like the idea of Saru being bad at captaining and learning how to captain and that like, right. being why we're why we care about him like why he's why he's on the show you know like, yeah, I like i think
1: that i think That's discovery great. is really a show that lets its characters have learning curves and doesn't demonize them for learning and making mistakes
0: right but the idea that like saru is captain because he was entitled to being captain And Mm -hmm. Tilly is not entitled to being first officer. Like, that is... Acting first officer. I'm just... I'm against all of that. I'm against all of that, and it just really, really bothers me
1: same and i really hope that admiral vance does sort of crack down on saru next week since he's gone and started a war with the emerald chain and i I agree with you that he did the right thing under the circumstances but i also want him to see to to see him face consequences Mm -hmm. because otherwise it's only
0: ever michael facing consequences yeah exactly exactly we need and i'm not saying it's bad that michael faces consequences no. But if she's the only one, then it's exactly it's real. Then it's like singling her out and saying, like, because of who she is, mm-hmm. we are going to treat her like this. And that is the antithesis of what Star Trek is supposed to stand for.
1: Right. Do we want to
0: talk about Georgiou and the mystery of? I don't. I mean, I think that obviously we don't know yet. It's coming. Mm. It's coming. So I put in our and our outline just questions because we don't know what's going on with her. There are a lot of theories, and I, I've only encountered the theories in the ones that like people are telling us in Discord. I have not mm. sought them out because I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the story that's being told.
1: It's almost like the burn where, I, I'm content to let the mystery unfold. Like I really want to know, and I can't wait till next week, but. Any theory that I get attached to will probably mm. be wrong.
0: But what is interesting is this idea of accepting who you are and accepting where you are. Which yeah. I think is sort of the theme of this season and possibly all of Discovery, <laughs> mm. but definitely this season. And I lo- I really like that Georgia is so prickly and that she is mm-hmm. so absolutely devoted to not telling anyone what's really happening because it it highlights that that that's her reality and right we can't we cannot treat georgio as a character who is from this universe from the prime universe from quote unquote our reality you know right we cannot do that and in our Doctors in Star
1: Trek episode we we're talking about, you know, culturally appropriate medicine and I, I'm not saying that her doctors should be going full Terran on her, but she doesn't trust anything else. She also doesn't trust Terrans because she's not an idiot, but I think she's feeling more than usually alone and
0: isolated and vulnerable. And And the thing is that like michael and culbert and pollard are trying to reach her
1: but yeah. they're
0: they they also have to accept that they have to wait for her to reach out to them like it's just yeah there's a there's a level there's she's not gonna do it she's not gonna do it until she's ready and i feel for them because they want to they want to fix the problem like especially clover and callers, they they're doctors and they just want to fix what's wrong with her they just want to understand what's wrong with her and fix it and like i get that and i applaud them for it but they also have to realize that they don't have the whole story and until she tells them the whole story they're not going to be able to fix it right and uh, i had something very wise and
1: clever to say and i've forgotten what it was (laughs) i'm sorry no, no, I'm just, I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out, basically. I'm looking forward to the return of David Cronenberg yet,
0: mm-hmm. uh, uh, next week, as promised in the teaser. Uh, and, yeah. I'm, I am. Uh, I'm looking if, forward to seeing how it goes, but I'm also, like, super scared. Like, I'll be honest. Yeah. I'm really worried that it's going to go in a way that I don't like. <laughs> Which is just because things have been happening lately (laughs) Mm. they've been going in ways that I didn't want them to and and I've really loved this season like I've had issues you know even like every every episode no episode has been perfect but I don't expect them to be and it's been really fun to be on this journey with all of these characters and even Georgiou and I, I love that Georgiou is getting backstory and she's getting side story and she's getting like drama like it's really wonderful to see this character arc and I'm hopeful for it but I'm also like I think it's gonna break my heart
1: yeah I don't want them to fumble it I think she's a really good character who deserves it, I, I really do feel like we're about to see her send off from this particular corner of Star Trek mm. and I'm trying Poor not to get attached to anything I don't want the section 31 series to be set in the 23rd century but it's starting to feel like they're going to have to send her back in time to preserve her sanity
0: like but like that what like why i mean obviously this is all made-up science and none yeah, none of it yeah. makes sense but the fact that like her because she is both out of place and out of time like that makes her like a double whammy and she has mm. to go to one or the other. And it's like, no. I like. I'm sorry, I disagree with your science. <laughs> your <laughs> fake made up science. That's fake and made up, but I don't like mm. it. I just um I'm worried. I'm worried that if she goes back into the 23rd century, that it's gonna be weird. It's she's gonna do she's gonna be doing stuff that she knows the future like Mm. it's bad it's a bad idea it's a bad idea I would
1: I don't know I like the idea of sending her far enough back in time that she can exist but not into the 23rd century and basically I'd like to drop her into the Picard era hmm. purely for the fan service of the Georgiou Picard standoff can you imagine standoff but also because Section 31 is basically destroyed by the end of Deep Space Nine, and I would kind right. of like the idea of JoJo being the one to rebuild it. Yes. And realizing as she does so that
0: she has developed a sense of ethics. Can we just for a moment, because this is completely fan service for me and no one mm-hmm. else in the world, but can we imagine the world where Nerec and Nerissa are raised by JoJo? Oh... What a sweet thing!
1: <laughs> what, what a nice lovely.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry that when you said that, that was the first thing in my mind came up with. Maybe literally can... no one cares about those characters other than me. No one. She can anger the whole
1: fandom by busting Narik out of jail to work for her, <laughs> and then he can find Narissa, and oh they can be like her her Romulan kids. I'm gonna cry. It's mm. <laughs> gonna be so perfect. Like, she misses Michael, and obviously they're no Michael, but they're,
0: they're what like she's little evil
1: pointy-eared ducklings.
0: And they are more on her side. I think a fun
1: source of conflict would be Jojo teaching them ethics, See? Which is really can a you bad imagine? situation.
0: Yes, I can, and it's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. I just, like... <sighs> I, I don't want her to go back to the 23rd century because also, like, I just don't want to deal with any of the people that are in the 23rd century. I don't want to deal with any of the Enterprise crew or any of, like, like none of that. I want none We're of still that. still mad. Anymore. I don't want that to be in, like, that, there's a, there's a whole series about that for Strange New Worlds. Good. Keep that over there. I want Georgiou to be separate and different and I'm, I don't, oh my gosh i'm so i'm so scared i'm
1: so scared my preference really is for jojo's series to be set in the 32nd century with everyone else but you know i i i just enjoy the fan service possibilities and the pure fan fiction of having her in the 24th or late 25th early (sighs) 25th it'll
0: be good it'll be good times great classic hits my God, Mike, Michelle, Yo, and Patrick story—can you imagine? Oh, it would be great. <sighs> okay, thank you for listening to
1: Antimatterpod. You can find our show notes at antimatterpod.tumblr.com, including links to our social media and credits for our theme music. You can also follow us on Twitter at, at @antimatterpod and on Facebook. If you like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. And join us next week when we'll be talking about the next episode of Star Trek Discovery, Terra Firma Part 1. Oh
0: my gosh! I'm so